Yeah. <laughs> 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 you can't yell fire in the building. <laughs> the preaching was fire, but the reception was cold. <laughs> so I said to my wife, I said, hey, should I tell... Should I change the sermon? Should I tell people that God wants to make you rich and successful? And she was like, nope, hit them with it, baby. All right, so let every word of God be true and every man a liar. We'll just trust that God is leading us and we're going to stick with what he has. Amen? If you're a first-time visitor here this morning, you've found your home church, please come back. Amen? Let's uh, pray over this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, as, as we've gone before you in worship and worship your name, God, now is the time where we need you to speak to us, Lord. So would you speak clearly and plainly to us, God? Lead us in the way that you would. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 22 this morning, continuing through 1 Samuel. If you're just joining us, the quick version is King Saul's chasing after David. David's supposed to be the king. We continue. All right. So 1 Samuel 22 verses 1 through 5, it says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please, let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold, depart, and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went to the forest of Hereth. Today I'm going to ask you who your captain is. Today I'm going to ask you to make Jesus your captain. And even if you would declare that Jesus is your captain, I want you to look inside of your heart as we walk through this this morning and really ask that question, am I allowing Jesus to lead my life? I went off to basic training in 1997 in the U.S. Army. My brother was somewhat in the military. He was in the Air Force. And he, uh, he said to me, I said to my brother, I said, man, how do I get through basic training? He said, Matt, it's very easy. He said, you do whatever they tell you to do without questioning it. Whatever it is, they tell you to do it, do it, and you will be just fine. It's no different with following Jesus Christ. If you just do what Jesus Christ tells you to do, you will be fine. Don't question it. Don't wonder about it. God created it. He decided the rules, and so we should just follow it. Everyone has a leader. Someone or something is leading you. Something is. And as, as a pastor and as your pastor, my only goal is for you to be led by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nothing more, nothing less. I want you to live a life in such a way that every decision that you make in your life passes through the hands of Jesus. That you would be asking Jesus, saying, Lord, what would you have me to do in this situation? How would you have me act in this situation? What decision should I make in this situation? This is a great story that we get in uh, in 1 Samuel 22. David is on the run from Saul. If you remember last week, he did the crazy dance. He had the beard and the saliva and all that. Great sermon if you missed it. 
And now he's hiding in a cave. And while he's hiding in this cave, he cries out to God. And then these 400 people show up that are distressed, discontented, and in debt. And they say, we need a leader. Will you be our leader? David comes out of the cave and says, okay. And God makes him captain over them. David goes, he asks for God, for direction. God gives him direction. And then he goes the place that God has told him to go. Now we've talked about this before. David is going to soon be king, but David will not be the eternal king. David is just paving the way for the eternal king, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, king of kings and Lord of lords. There's very interesting parallels here. If you notice, David in a cave, comes out of the cave and then there's distressed, discontented, in debt people that need a leader. They need a savior. Jesus goes into a cave. He comes out of the cave. There's distressed, discontented people in debt who need a leader. David leads these people to God. Jesus leads people, leads people to God. There's a parallel here. This is a foreshadowing of Christ. It's not by accident that this is the way that the story goes. Jesus followed the will of the Father. David followed the will of the Father. Salvation will be found in David for these people, but David is leading them to Yahweh. Salvation will be found in Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ leads us to Yahweh, to Father God. They're looking for a leader. They need help. Don't miss the point of the story. They're distressed. They're discontented. They're in debt. They're in pain. They need a leader. Who will deliver us? distressed. They're lying in pain. Life is overwhelming. It's too much. They can't seem to get to where they need to be. They're, they're in debt. They owe everyone. They can't manage their life. They're bankrupt. They're, they're a slave to the lender. They're discontented, unable to be satisfied. Nothing tastes good. Nothing fills up. Nothing takes away the pain. Does this resonate with anyone this morning? Are any of you distressed, discontented, or in debt? Have you ever been distressed, discontented, or in debt? Asking, who will deliver me? Who will save me? Who will lead me? Who is your captain? Because it's either you or it's someone else. It's either you or something else. Or Jesus is your captain. It's really easy to find out who your captain is. Who's running the show? Who's making the decisions in your life? All the guys are like, my wife. (laughs) Lead her. It's always interesting when you work your whole entire life to make enough money and you still only have $20 and you're asking your wife if you can have some money. Many people who are not Christians, if you're, if you're not a Christian this morning, this is going to feel like a cheese grater, and I'm glad. Amen? But if you're, if you're a Christian, it might feel like a cheese grater as well, because you are saying that you are a Christian, but Jesus is not your captain. Je- Jesus did not die on the cross for your sins so that you could just take the name of Christ only and not allow him to be your leader. For many people, outside influence is their captain, not Jesus. For many people outside of the church, sadly, many people inside the church as well, they're led by influences on television, movies, news organizations, books, 
magazines, celebrities, and online bloggers. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, to test all things, hold fast to what is good, but people do not test, they merely consume. We, we live in the most technologically advanced time that has ever existed in the history of man. These little machines in your back pocket, you can, you, you can grab any sort of information that you want, but anybody can shove any information that, you, that they want into you. You don't even have to want the information. Someone shares a blog. Someone shares a, 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 a video clip. You get an email. Like All these things get ingested inside of your brain and your head. And what happens with these outside influences is that your mind tells yourself, if this person has some sort of national following, they must be correct. Numbers equal truth. Look at the influence that they have. There's no way that they would ever let this person be on television if they weren't correct. There's no way that this pastor couldn't be correct because of the thousands and thousands of people that go to their church. I'm talking about names like Dr. Phil, right? Judge Judy. The View. Jimmy Kimmel, John Stewart, Dr. Oz, Trevor Noah, Rachel Maddow, Rush Limbaugh, Stephen Crowder, Sean Hannity, Kelly Ripa, Oprah, etc. I can go on. And these people, because they have a show and there's lights and there's this and the graphics and they say it emphatic, everything's emphatic that they say. The sky is falling for every single one of them. People watch these shows and they take what these people say as truth because, hey, they're famous. People watch uh, award shows and television dramas and movies and Netflix and Prime and YouTube, filling their minds with ideas from the world, teaching them how to be like the world. Now, if you don't know me, some of you guys are like, does this guy not have a television? No, I got a big one, man. 65 inches. I got a phone. I got a computer. I watch Netflix. I watch YouTube. I watch movies. I do all that, man. But what I don't do is I don't let those guys tell me what I'm going to believe and how I'm going to live. I walk out of movies. I turn off television programs. I make decisions and say, I'm not going to put that inside of my head. I'm not going to listen to that music. I'm not going to allow that in my home. I can't count how many times Crystal and I, based on the description of the free movie on Netflix, it seemed like a good idea. And about four to five minutes in, we look at each other like, no, let's not watch this. Let's watch National Treasure again. <laughs> can't beat National Treasure. One or two, huh? Quality Nick Cage right there. Back when Nick Cage was good Nick Cage, you know? See, the Bible says in 1 John 2.16, for all, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Folks, this is everything that the world offers. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You are your own God. You can have whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Look at the advertising that goes out, right? Who's this bud for? It's for you. You're good enough. You deserve it. Everybody wants to buy a Lexus at Christmas time with a big red bow because you deserve it. 
Now, typically, these influences are filled with anti-Christ rhetoric, mockery of Christians. Explain to me how 70% of America identifies as Christian and tell me a movie that wasn't made by a Christian that shows Christians in a positive light in movie or television. It doesn't exist. Every time they make us look like a bunch of buffoons. We're all a bunch of fanatics and a bunch of weirdos. Where's the family that just like happens to pray before their meals? Where's the next door neighbor that's a Christian that's like, hey, Bill, on my way to church, have a good Sunday. It doesn't exist. It's nowhere in there. They always want to make us look bad. Now, mind you, subcultures of America get a place in every show, every movie, because although they only represent 1%, 2% of the population, they get 30% representation in every movie and television. They push sexual immorality. They push racial division, celebration of abortion, celebration of sin, accumulation of wealth and stuff. If you find yourself saying things like, well, I was watching this program or I saw in this movie, chances are you're being influenced by the world. Just because it has the word Bible and it's on History Channel does not mean it's correct. This isn't a bunch of pastors didn't come together and grab their Bibles and say, let's lead people to Christ with this program. All they want to do is introduce doubt, tear away at the foundations of our faith. Their message is very clear. You do not need God. You don't need restraint. We will tell you what to believe and destroy you if you don't agree. Sex, drugs, indulgence, destruction, all about the self. Self, self, self. Self is your own God. Sadly, many so-called followers of Christ spend more time ingesting these influences than the word of God and these influences are their leader. The world is their God and their captain. I got to catch my shows. If your DVR is filled with shows and your Bible time is empty, you got the wrong thing filled up. Secondly, their own ideas are their captain, not Jesus. Did you read a lot of books, man? There's millions of them out there. I don't know if you knew this, but there's not like a clearinghouse that says, this is a bad book, let's not publish it. Anybody can write a book. Doesn't matter, you can be a crazy person to write a book. You can distribute and be like, well, it's in a book, it must be true. You can go and get an education, go to a college, go to a university. And there, there's two types of education. There's quantifiable and non-quantifiable, Right? I mean, a quantifiable is, and I use Janine as an example. She's just about to graduate from nursing school. She's working very hard. Listen to your teachers and what they're telling you, okay? If I ever need medical help, I don't want you to be like, well, this guy, he goes somewhere. Doesn't really matter where you poke the person. Do exactly what they're telling you to do. But you end up in this education that is an anti-God, anti-church, anti-Bible education that's trying to get you to think a certain way about the world. It's completely anti-God. They're not trying to lead you into the paths of righteousness at all. Just because it says university or college after it doesn't mean that it's a good thing. Now, now, now listen, man. I don't want you to hear this and say, well, do you not believe in education? Listen. I'm educating you right now. I definitely believe in education. Right? 
I mean, my, my kids are going to college and I'm reluctantly paying for it because you got to check that box in this day and age to be able to get a job. But what I'm not doing is I'm not sending them into this situation and saying, just ingest everything that they tell you and become that. Because if you really think about what education is in the simplest of terms, come to this school, give us a lot of your money, and then we're going to tell you what to think, how to think, and then when you get done, we're going to actually give you a certificate to prove that we've indoctrinated you into our way of thinking. That's all it is. Or you go in with eyes wide open and say, I'm not going to be indoctrinated into this thought process that is anti-Christ and anti-Bible and anti-church. See, the Bible says in Colossians 2.8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Parents, if you are not teaching your kids what the Bible says and what Christ demands and you're sending them out to college, they're going to come back and they're not going to be Christian. If you're not preparing them to be able to defend their faith, if you're not preparing them to know what the Bible teaches, you are setting them up for failure. They're going to come back and they're going to be just like the world. They're going to believe like the world, act like the world, and they're going to challenge you and say, why did you lead me to believe something that wasn't true? Because you didn't take the time to lead your children to show them that it was true for the 18 years that you had them before you sent them out. I digress. Let's continue. Maybe your political affiliation is your captain. Oh, I'm a this. Yeah. I mean, there's this national, I can't wait to vote this person in or vote this person out. They're going to really take care of me because my hope and my dreams and my future are in who's in political office. That's who I'm going to fight with people about is my political affiliation. Who's your captain? Who's your captain? Some idea or some thought? Vote your Bible, man. For some people, their desires are their captain, not Jesus. If you, if you have outside influence, ideas in your head that aren't from God, you're going to be a slave to your desires. They're described as base instincts. These are the same thing that a dog has. A dog, it's, it's what separates us from the animals. Why it's okay to eat them is because they're different than us. They just have base instincts. They see something, oh, I bit it, I chewed it, I went here. They're just animals. Sadly, many humans haven't gotten past this. Base instincts, a subconscious urge, a behavior, or intuition directed by a primeval, animalistic, self-serving, or ignoble motivations. Why did you do that? I don't know. I don't like it. Some people are just driven by this. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. People who don't follow God and sadly some who claim to follow God cannot control their flesh. They follow instinct. Hey, here's food. What forbid thee? I should just eat it. And people find it very interesting is that I have zero desire to eat anything healthy ever. I'm never like, I could sure go for a salad. My, my, my diet would be very easy. Like morning, I would have pancakes with peanut butter and syrup on top of them. That would be breakfast. Maybe pour some sugar on top of that as well. Right? Lunch, I'd probably have some sort of fried sandwich. 
the cheese in it, be really good. Regular soda, diet soda. What are you talking about? Real soda. A couple donuts to follow it up. Dinner, pizza, ice cream to polish it off with. Some of y'all are like, you just described my day. The only reason I eat a salad is because of my wife. Because I want to live. Sadly, some people just end up following the lust of their flesh. Oh, well, you know, it seemed like a good program to watch. I just did a little quick Google search, and then I could fill my eyes with the lust of my flesh. I saw this advertisement. I literally got in my car, and I went and drove and bought this thing because I saw this advertisement. I feel lazy, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm angry, so I'm going to be angry. This is how I feel today, so this is how I'm going to be. I get it, man. People have desires for companionship, for intimacy. We need food. We need money. You know, you got to buy some stuff. But to desire them and to need them and make decisions to get them, you begin to work and coerce and direct your life and think like, oh, man, if I just had this, this, then my life would be different. I'm just going to follow my feelings today. I'm just going to follow whatever I think that I need to do. I'm not going to think. I'm just going to follow my feelings this day. Desire becomes their leader. If and when your decisions are based on what you want, desire is your leader. The word of God is either ignored or unaware in your mind, and you just follow your flesh. See, here's what's happening in this story that we're talking about this morning, is that David displays, right? Goes in the cave, comes out, 400 people were distressed, were discontented, were in debt. We need a leader, And you know what David says? You know what? I am only a person that follows God. If you want to be led, I'm going to lead you towards God. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother come here with with you till I know what God will do for me. Till I know what God will do for me. David is only going to lead these 400 discontented, distressed, uh, bankrupt people to God. He's only going to lead them to Father God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the eternal God. He's not going to lead them to himself. He's not going to lead them anywhere except to God. I'm not doing anything or going anywhere until God leads me. It follows very closely to what Pastor Crystal was talking about on Wednesday night church. If you missed it, you should listen to it. It was a great message. It's almost as if God is trying to tell us something this week. It's funny, all the Wednesday night preachers, sometimes I I set it up on Sunday for Wednesday and you're like, dang it, what did you do? Go with it, man. God must be trying, he must have to tell us twice. Here's what David did not do in this situation. Watch this. I love saying this stuff. The 400 discontented, disgruntled people come to David and David doesn't say to them, you know what, guys? You were doing pretty well on your own before you found me. Go back and do that. They're distressed, they're discontented, they're in debt. And he says, you know what? What's the problem with you guys is you haven't been following God, so I'm gonna lead you to him. He didn't say go back and live your life. It's no different when it comes to following Jesus. Jesus didn't come around so that he could help you live your life your way. If we were doing so well without a savior, why did he have to come to save us? It doesn't work at all. No, he says, watch this. The path out of your distress Discontent and debt is dependence. 
dependence on God. Jesus made this clear. The path to success is self-denial and submission to God and Him alone. This is why I reject these modern-day messages of it's all about you. I reject these modern-day preachers that say God came to help, help you achieve your destiny, to achieve your plan. That's not biblical. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't talk anything about your plan. The Bible doesn't talk anything about your destiny. Your destiny and your plan is very simple. Die to your plans, go to Jesus and get his plans. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone, that means you, desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus did not die on the cross so you could follow yourself. It's not what he did. Jesus made it very clear. Read the Gospels. Jesus demanded, demanded. He didn't even encourage. He demanded total and complete submission to all of his followers. He said, well, I'm just a red letter Christian. Then why do you refuse to fully follow Jesus in every area of your life? Because all the things that Jesus said were like, follow me, deny yourself, hate, hate this thing that's other than me, completely fulfill my will, completely follow me. He didn't say like, hey, cast down your nets and let's hang out for the weekend. I'm not going to ask much of you. And if it's too much, just say, I've been busy. He didn't say that. He was like, you know what, man? Go tell your family you're leaving everything and you're following me. You're going to see some amazing things, but you're, you've got to follow me 100%. You can't follow me halfway. Jesus says, if I'm going to be your captain, you have to let me lead you. You do not lead me. See, if we go back to the story of David, it says that David was in, in the cave of Adullam, right? And, and what's so beautiful about this part of the story is that we can actually know what David was thinking while he was in that cave. Why? Because in the book of Psalms, there's two Psalms written by David. And underneath it, before you get into the verses, it says, written in the cave of Adullam. He's in the cave writing Psalms while he's running from Saul. Psalm 142 and 57. We don't have time to read them this morning. That'll be your homework. But in Psalm 142.5, David says, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Psalm 57, 1, and in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. The distressed, discontented, bankrupt people were looking for a captain and they found one in David. Why? Because David was submitted to the will of the Father. David was going to lead them to the will of the Father. Again, the parallel, Jesus in the cave, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. Jesus leading the people to follow the will of of the Father. Jesus even said, not my will, but your will be done to Father God. David said during this episode, till I know what God will do for me. Total and complete submission. I know that there are areas of your life that you are not fully submitted to God in. I know it. Do you know how I know it? Because there's areas of my life I'm not fully submitted to God in. People say, well, how can you be a pastor well, because I'm an under-shepherd to the great shepherd, okay? Right. One of the things I love about this story is how broken David was and God still used him. Right. I got to wrestle with this thing all week long. I got to still, God is still like, yeah, this is really good, Matt, but what about this area of your life? Yep. 
As soon as you think you've got it all squared away, God's like, let's square you away this week. Let's, let's, break, let's break your pride. Let's humble you a little bit. Let's show, let's show the areas of your life that you get to work on because that's really fun. But you got to be honest with yourself, man. you got to look inside your heart and be like, and don't be so prideful to say there's nothing that I, anybody that says there's nothing that I need to work on is either lying or not where they need to be. Man, I got a list of stuff, man. I, I want to go home today to Jesus, and, but hopefully it gives me some more time so that I can be better when I get there, man. What does this mean to you, folks? You have to make a choice on who you want your captain to be. It's a choice, man. Something or someone is leading you. It's either, it's either a worldly influence, it's, it's some form of a book or an education, it's your desires, it's your political party, this false idea of what you think the world should be, something is leading you. Me, I'm going to go down following Jesus and his word. That's what I'm going to do. Your plans, your ideas, your desires, the ways of this world, or you're going to follow Jesus alone. And if you're here this morning, you're hearing this message, you're like, gosh, this guy's loud. He's, I'm not loud, man. I'm just emphatic. That's all I am, man. Like my kids tell me their whole life, Dad, why are you yelling at me? I'm not yelling. I'm just being emphatic. It's kind of how I'm wired. But it's to your benefit, man. I want you to follow Jesus. It's really quite easy. You just say, the way I've been living hasn't been leading me. Now I'm going to turn away. I'm, I'm distressed. I'm discontented. I'm bankrupt. I need a savior. I need someone to save me. And Jesus will lead you. But you have to make him your leader. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you declare to be a Christian, follow him. Don't follow the world. Don't follow the world's ideas. You, you've got to put a stake in the ground and say, man, I am not going to be like the world. I'm going to be like Jesus. The Bible says in Psalm 25, 12, who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he chooses. John 5, 30, Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own, but the will of the Father who sent me. David submitted to the Father. Jesus submitted to the Father. In everything, we should submit to the Father. <coughs> Excuse me. So how do you do that? Quit loving the things of this world. Oh my gosh. Can, can Christians come to a point where they say, man, the things of this world do not satisfy? The Bible makes it very clear. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What are you filling your mind and your time with? What are you desiring in this life? What are you trying to accumulate? What are you trying to grab? What kind of experiences are you trying to have that are centered on worldly things? Stop loving them. Quit being a spiritual fornicator. You say, man, that's a strong word. Well, it's what the Bible says. James 4, 4, adulterers and adulteresses, right? That's, that, that's talking, and do I need to explain what adultery is? Okay. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you, do you just merely attend church to put on an act? Do you want to check in while you're here and be like, oh, it's so great. Want all your Facebook friends to know that you went to church today so you can go out and live like the world? There's many people that attend churches in America that, that are complete in love with the world and they just get a shot of Jesus juice for 90 minutes on a Sunday. Spiritual fornication. It's adultery, according to the Bible. 
have one master, one master. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus, no one can serve two masters. No one can. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Do you love your money more than you love God? Because you, you know what? You can insert anything in there. You love X more than God. Because Jesus says, you, you really, you can only have one master. You can't have two masters. You've got to have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Folks, our thoughts should be consumed with having the mind of Christ. And it's very easy. And people sometimes disagree with me, but you choose what you think about. You don't choose what goes into your head. Sometimes the thought will go into your head, but you choose and either be like, oh, I'm going to germinate on that thought and take it down the road. Thoughts lead to actions. And so if that thought comes in, you take it or you run, and you run with it, or you choose to have the mind of Christ. Submission. Obedience. Praise. This is the mind of Christ. Worship. Service. Forgiveness. Truth. Love. Restraint. God-honoring decisions. And how do you do that? You have, you have the word in your heart. Yeah. Psalm 119, your word have I li- hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you read your Bible and you study your Bible, it gets inside of you. And when the decision comes on a day and something, you're like, what am I going to do and how am I going to do this? This word will run back into your mind and remind you how you should be living. And you'll be like, dang it, I've got to make a different decision in this because I want to honor God with my life. I want my life to line up with his word. Study the Bible and know what God wants from you. And when the decisions of your life come up, live by the word. Do what you don't agree with because you want to follow God. I'm a pastor. I've been serving God for 30 years. There's still some pages I wish I could rip out at times. I know you guys don't feel that way. The world is trying to pull me in a complete opposite direction and I have to make a determination. Either I'm going to live according to his word or live according to the ways of the world. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to allow myself to not spend time in God's word because I want to live by the word. And lastly, you have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit. I heard someone say one time, hey, you need the Holy Spirit to live in this world. And the other person said, man, you need the Holy Spirit just to go to Walmart. Man, I mean, you just need it. If you, don't, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not going to be able to make it at all. You're not going to be able to make it. You have got to make a decision of who you're going to be led by. If you, don't, if you say, man, I'm not being led by the Holy Spirit, cry out to the Holy Spirit. John 16, however, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. But he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Romans 8, 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, make Jesus your captain and fulfill the will of the Father. No more discontent, no more distress, no more debt. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, I want Jesus to be my captain. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And it's really quite easy. You know who's leading your life. It's either Jesus or something else. And if this morning you would, uh, there was a conviction in your heart that said, I need to follow Jesus. I need to be forgiven of my sins. And you've never made that decision before. And you want to do it for the very first time. You are in a great safe place. 
There's people that want to pray with you and pray for you. A church that wants to rejoice with you as you give your heart to Christ. And if you've never made that decision before and you'd like to do it for the very first time, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? Hand held high. Amen. I see that hand. Praise God. Now what I'd also invite you to do is I'd like to invite you to walk up here and be prayed for. I know that people say, man, that feels so uncomfortable. Man, if you can't stamp in a room full of Christians and say, I want to serve God, that world's going to tear you apart. You can come up with her if you want. That's all right. Honey, would you pray with her, please? Or God, you can do it. Go, no, go. Everybody's fighting over who gets to pray. Every eye closed, every head bowed. It's a special moment. God is is regenerating. God is setting free. Old life gone, new life found. Praise you, Jesus. Don't miss this moment. You said, man, I should have raised my hand. Stand up right now. Come to the front. Give your life to Jesus. Change the trajectory of your life. Change the trajectory of your family. Your family tree will be changed because of your decision to follow Jesus. Don't let pride keep you. Maybe you've been far from God, man. When I say far from God, I always have to clarify. I didn't say if you had a bad weekend or a bad week. I'm talking about it's been years. It's been years. You knew the truth. You've walked in the truth, but you've become a prodigal. You've been so far from God, and you're crying out saying, God, I don't know how to come back. How do, I, how do I rekindle that fire from when you first led me, Lord? I'm lost. I need, I need to be brought back on the track. I need, I, I need to follow you, Lord, but I need a moment. I need a moment when I know this is your moment. This is your day. This is the day where you stand before God and say, God, I'm, I'm coming back to you. I'm not going to be walking in disobedience anymore. If you need to make that determination today, I want you to raise your hand right now. Say, I'm ready to come back to you, Father. always like to end with this is to all of us man this is our church we are the body I'm your pastor I'm in here with it there's a part of your heart that you know is not submitted that that Jesus isn't the captain over just expose that part of your heart to God this morning tell Jesus say you know what Jesus I know I'm not submitted in this area of my life I know that I've been walking in disobedience and God I'm, I'm submitting that to you this morning God I'm giving you my heart this morning God, remove that thing from me. Father, we praise you, we thank you, we glorify you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.